Jim Baker. It's still morning. All right, good. Well, that was awesome. Well, hey, I'm going to ask uh, one of our own to come up here, one of the daughters of the house, Emily Schindeldecker, also known as Schindel D. <clears throat> hey, girl. Actually, I was thinking this morning, you actually used to be our children's pastor. You were one of our children's yeah. pastors many moons ago. ago. So, yeah. yes. So it's good to have Emily up here. So she has got some news here that uh, I'm going to let her tell you. It's exciting and sad. All right, go ahead. So tell us, um, Emily's going to Iraq. I'll just, just drop it there. All right, Emily's going to Iraq. So tell us about kind of how you got to this journey, how you're feeling called there. Yeah, thanks. Um, <clears throat> so I'm moving to Iraq to be um, a full-time missionary. Um, selling everything, giving everything away, and, and moving there um, at the beginning of November. Um, I, as many of you know, I grew up in Turkey, and um, I just always have had a heart for the Middle East and have been through um, other mission schools. So your parents and, have been full-time missionaries for yes. decades. Yes, yeah. and they're still overseas. So that's kind of how I grew up, and ever since I was little, I've always wanted I've always knew that I was called to go back overseas, and so I went into nursing and then became a nurse practitioner to be able to go into hard-to-reach countries. So, um, and I've been to like Heidi Baker's mission school and I just didn't know where God was calling me. But then up about two years ago, Sean Foyt, who's in charge of the Burn 24-7 organization, he came to Zion here and um, talked about Iraq. And that's always been my heart is the Middle East. And so it kind of just awakened that again. And um, so um, he had an opportunity to go on a short-term team and uh, a short-term trip, and so for a year, it wasn't for another year, so for a year, I, every morning, um, was just flat on my face, praying for, praying for the refugees there, praying for the conflict that's going on with, with Syria and Iraq, and um, so I would get up at three o'clock in the morning and just pray, and so, like, spending a whole year of that, um, that's what I did for a year, and then went last past October, to um, to northern Iraq and was able to worship with people there and Kurds and Syrians and refugees and Yazidis and I met a um, yeah so I'll be in the northern part of Iraq there um, so it's right on the border of Turkey and um, really close to Syria there um, and so when I was there we played with you know those are some kids from the refugee camps um, they had fled ISIS and Mosul. And uh, as, as some of you might have read in the news, that Mosul is just recently free. And then uh, to the right there, if some of you, um, well, if you were in Pickerington last weekend, Sean Foyt came. And um, so we were with the Yazidi families, and ISIS tried to eradicate this whole people group. And so the men in their household were, were shot by ISIS. And then these are women and children that fled in the buckets of bulldozers. And um, now they're living in, in dugout chicken coops. So I was able to do that in the first trip, and just it was just such an honor to like go there and then pray into the soil. Um, and then, can I share a testimony real quick yeah, about take that? Your, take, listen, okay. take your time. You're doing good. <laughs> okay. You're doing good. Um, so I want to share a testimony about that trip. Um, so as I said, I was like praying for a year and then got to be there. And um, so the first night we landed, there was like a prayer and worship meeting. They have a prayer, a house of prayer in the capital city of northern Iraq. And um, one of the one of the Iraqis got up and said, you know what, I just have, um, I just got a text message from some of my friends. Some of these girls, they're in 
school in a town about an hour away, and um, they texted me, and they said, ISIS just came into the university, and they're coming into our dorms. We're scared. And so this guy was like, they just texted me. Can we pray? I haven't heard back from them, and I'm afraid for their lives because they just said ISIS is coming into their rooms. So we just started praying, um, just you know, those of us in the room, and it was powerful. I don't know if it was jet lag or if it was just going to heaven, but it was powerful. And um, so we just prayed for a couple hours, and then the next morning, I saw that guy again. I said, hey, did you ever hear back from those girls? Like, what happened? And he said, yes. So they just texted back, and um, the girls, um, right, as they saw ISIS coming into their dorm, they texted the um, university leader and said, ISIS is coming in. And then they turned off their phones and cut the electricity, and then they hid under their beds. And ISIS came in and sat on their beds for three hours and did not know that the girls were under their beds, like not making any movement. And it was during those three hours that we were praying. And um, wow. yeah, and then the Iraqi army came and saved, and ISIS fled and saved the girls. So that, it was just really cool to be there and be part of that, yeah. Yeah. So it's the power of prayer right there. So, um, so that's what, that the first trip. So then, um, while I was there, I met um, a team leader of a different organization called Frontiers, and it's actually the organization that I grew up in. It's the same one that my parents are with, and um, I was able to visit their team in March. And this is a little bit further north, so it's in the hook. And so these are um, some of the refugees that they hire through um, their NGO there. And then these are some of the um, values of the team. I just copy-pasted it off of, off of um, their memorandum of agreement. And um, so they are into, their whole mission is to serve the poor, to help the refugees for prayer and intercession. They do 20 hours of dedicated prayer and intercession a week. And um, they hire these refugees. So the girl on the right is Yazidi, and the guy on the left is a Syrian Kurd who they both fled ISIS um, and both have had families kind of scattered all over. And they were our translators. And so what I'm kind of skipping ahead, but what we'll be doing is, um, so my job, and this is what I was doing there, is um, they have a project. You can skip to the next. Um, so they have a project where they provide mobility equipment for people in the camps. So people who um, have lost legs, either from the war or before, or need wheelchairs or ramps or anything. And I'll be going tent to tent and doing like full physical assessments on them. And then I get to pray for them, ask if they want prayer and healing. And then I get to ask if they want to know Jesus. And so that'll literally be my job for like several times a week. It's going tent to tent and praying for refugees. That's awesome. And, um, so to the, this little boy on the left, his name is Dukos, and he, um, they sent me this picture. I have a different picture of him from when I was there, and his leg got blown off by a bomb in Syria, and it was still healing when I saw him in March, and uh, he's doing really well. I kind of cut the picture so you didn't see the rest of his legs, but um, he's doing really well, and they had to like literally walk across the desert to get to there. And then on the right, you can see like wheelchair and a ramp, and those are the tents that the refugees live in. So that's where I'll be going is just tent to tent, going and um, asking for prayer. And I mean, they just need one miracle for revival to break out in the refugee camps, you know. And and they'll be their own missionaries back to Syria when they get to go home when the war is over. So, um, so that's what I'll be doing most of the time is going and doing. Med I'll be able to do medical work and providing things for them if they, you know, if they need it at the time. 
and getting to pray and share the gospel. So. Well, yeah, yay yeah. God. It's amazing. Well, what's the timeline? When are you looking to, uh, to go over to the Middle East? So September 15th is my last day at work. I work at the James Cancer Hospital here at Ohio State. Um, and uh, that's my last day. And it was actually really hard to tell them and um, to say goodbye. But, and then for, the, for three weeks in between, I'll be packing, getting the house ready to, you know, get rid of things and pack everything into two suitcases. <laughs> and um, then I'll move first to Jordan for six months to learn Arabic. Because northern Iraq, is, there's so many different dialects spoken there. It's really hard to learn one language. So um, my team is sending me to Jordan first to get a good basis of Arabic. And then... And then um, I'll be moving to Jordan, and then uh, and then in October too. I forgot to say I will be going to Arizona to do a two-week training through Frontiers through the mission organization, and they have, you know, you do team team activities and um, you know, like they have a uh, counselor there, and just to make sure you're ready to move overseas. So. Awesome. Well, yeah. uh, hey, how can we partner with you? How can we get behind you? So. Um, this is all, it's all support raised. I don't get paid to do this. So um, I, I need both prayer support and financial support. Um, and this is kind of difficult for somebody who, you know, is used to working for myself. So it's kind of hard. But um, so the best thing to do is to, is to sign up monthly for support because I'll, I'm going like this is the rest of my life. And um, so I'll need monthly support and one-time gifts are great. But if you could sign up monthly, that would be awesome and uh, much appreciated. And it's really easy on the back of the cards. You should see some cards in your bulletin. Um, this is, you can put on your refrigerator or bookmarks, whatever you want to use. But on the back, you'll be able to, it's really easy to step. You just go to the website and then um, just type in either my name or that number up there. And then you can pick to either give a one-time gift or monthly, and then it just automatically gets taken out. So you don't have to remember to keep doing it. Um, it'll just be one of those automatic bills. Um, it is tax deductible, so you'll get a statement at the end of the year that you can, you know, write off on your taxes. Um, and then I'll be outside in the lobby at the end, and if you'd like to receive, like, a monthly newsletter, um, you can sign up. And then if you want to be part of an intercessory um, prayer team as well that I can, like, email throughout the month, if there's something that comes up, then you can always check that box as well. I remember I was uh, mowing the grass before my first Sunday here at Zion, and God uh, spoke to me, and he said, you'll be continually giving away your best people. And so, um, boy, you're, you're definitely one of those, Emily. And so we are, uh, we are excited for you. But um, you guys know our, our journey with her is just beginning here. We've got, uh, you know, you can't, you can't just send people out to the front lines and say, hey, email us the news. We want to continue to support prayerfully and financially. So, hey, let's pray for Emily. We've got her here a couple more weeks. Uh, I encourage you to partner with her. Like she said, she's going to be in the lobby, so I know she'd love to talk more about it. So if you want to just stretch your hands out towards Emily, Lord, we just thank you for your girl, God, that your hand has been upon her, that you put her in the right family, and that she was born for a time such as this. So Lord, I just thank you that you're going to open doors for her that no man can open. God, that they will be, she will have supernatural favor, acceleration, protection, boldness. Lord, I just thank you that you uh, have raised up a lioness for a time such as this. So we bless her, Lord, everywhere she puts her foot, Lord, that you've already given it to her, that her hands will know nothing but increase. So, Lord, let radical, radical last day's revival take place in that region. Thank you, Lord. I pray for signs, wonders, and miracles. 
I pray for creative miracles for those kids and people who have lost the limbs, Lord. Uh, let her be Jesus to those people. Thank you, Lord. We bless your girl. In the name of Jesus, amen. Love you, girl. Can we help you down? Oh, man, it's always hard saying goodbye. We got her for a couple more weeks, but it's going to be good. How we doing? Good. All right. It's still morning, so. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, we've been in a series called Ephesians. We have made it to verse 18 on part 7. Can you believe it? Here we are. But we're not going to make it to the whole verse. So here we go. I'm going to begin with a little bit of review. Chapter 1, verse 15. How many of you guys know it's good to not just rush through the Bible sometimes here? All right, sometimes we can just graze when God wants us to feast. So verse 15, because of this, so actually in verses 1 through 14, Paul has just exploded on them all the blessings that have happened because of Christ, all the things that are now true about them. And he says, so he begins to pray this prayer for them. Because of this, because of all these things Jesus has done, since I first heard about your strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your tender love towards all his devoted ones, my heart is always full and overflowing with thanks to God for you as I constantly remember you in my prayers. Just a quick note, it's interesting how he begins his prayer with thanks to God, and he's going to end it with that. It's just like in the Lord's Prayer, we were taught uh, to begin with praise and worship to the Lord, then he ends it with praise and worship to the Lord. I think so many, this has nothing to do with the message, this is one of those quickies. You guys good? I think so many times it's so easy to just go right to the Lord with our burdens, and it can be kind of like we're in despair and discouragement, when if you don't begin with how amazing he is, then you pour out your heart and then end with, oh yeah, you're amazing. You know, this, this amazing sandwich with a need in the middle. Um, it's just, it's the way to pray. Okay, verse, uh, verse 17. I, here's his prayer. I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. The last two weeks, uh, two weeks ago, we looked at the spirit of wisdom. Last week, we looked at the spirit of revelation. So Paul is not praying that they get something brand new. In verse 3, he said, you already have access to everything heaven contains. This is, I mean, this is mind-blowing. I mean, we spent a whole week on it. I think we spent two weeks on it, actually. It is, um, I don't know any other word. It's just bonkers. I mean, it's just, it's just such a pregnant verse. It's, it's beyond. And so he says, you've already received every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. He begins to explain those things to him. Now he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to have a spirit of wisdom that gives you eyes to see and ears to, see, ears to hear what you already have. So, much, so many Christians are trying to get something new when God says you've already been made complete in Christ. Now our experience isn't complete. We have not yet accessed everything. But how many of you know there's a big difference between spending your inheritance versus trying to get money that you don't already have? So many Christians are trying to get money that they already have rather than recognize they've got an inheritance of the riches of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not just talking finances, but it covers that as well. So we saw the spirit of wisdom. Spirit of wisdom is a heart that basically has our ear to his mouth. So that when God speaks, we now see what he sees and know what he knows in every situation. Then there's the spirit of revelation where it's like there's a curtain and there's the, uh, there's the unveiling of the curtain, what's behind it. There's these spiritual resources that he talks about in this mystery realm. There's, you, you can't figure it out. You can't just intellectually get God through logic. Um, you have to get it through revelation. And so the Holy Spirit comes and he breathes upon you and he begins to reveal things to you. 
And so we looked at how last week the uh, dreams are the on-ramp to revelation. How many people have had an increase in dreams since we prayed that last week? All right, good. Um, and we looked at how uh, speaking in tongues is like a portal into the realm of mysteries. And so, boy, I hope you, I, I don't know about you, I've, I've enjoyed just praying in tongues more this week. I feel like sometimes it just kind of spills out of you. And so we looked at that. I almost wanted to do a whole message on speaking in tongues today, but, you know, I'm, I'm not going to. But um, the Bible is just so rich. I mean, it is. It's just like, you know, I'm reading the same verses as I was six months ago, but the Holy Spirit's breathing new things on them. I think that's just one of the exciting things about, about God. So Paul, he's actually praying that we would begin to understand and access the things that we already have. I don't know if you remember this game when you were a kid. I don't know if this is just a boys' game. I don't know if girls played it. King of the Hill. Did anyone else play this game? What a, what a horrible game. It's a, I think it ranks down there with Red Rover. I mean, you know, bang, you know you're just clotheslining people. I mean, it's a dodgeball. I mean, just like terrible kids' games. I mean, I don't know what's going on there. But um, King of the Hill is basically you get someone on top of the hill, and then you have the, the lowly people trying to claw their way up the hill while the person at the top would usually kick them down or flip them down or push them down. I mean, just... Kids, go have fun. I mean, like, well, what's next? Like, throw rocks at each other? Like, I don't know how I grew up in these things, but these, these were like normal games. Okay? Once you were at the top of the hill, it was a whole lot easier to stay on top of the hill than it was to try to claw up to the top of the hill. Okay? As the believers, you are on top of the hill. You are complete in Christ. The battle is yours to lose, not yours to win. You are coming from the victory of Jesus, and we're going to see at the end of the, um, of the book here in Ephesians, he says, here's what you need to do. You need to stand in it. Well, how do we fight this warfare? Do we go out there and we do this? No, no, no. He says, um, just stand in the reality of these things. Sometimes you'll need to speak with a sword. Sometimes you'll need to just stay in the shoes of peace. But you, we're not going to victory. We're coming from a victory. And we stand in that. I've said this so many times, and I feel like people hate me every time I say it, so I'm just going to say it again. It's just good to break off the fear of man. I'm not looking to split theological hairs here. That just doesn't, that doesn't help people to divide and, and do arguments, but I do want you to get a new lens. We're going to be talking today a lot about a lens here in just a second. But here's the, here's the lens, is that um, there is no such thing as spiritual warfare, a warfare implies a battle between two enemies, one of whom has yet to be defeated. Satan has already been completely defeated. So this is the weirdest kind of battle you're ever going to enter into because the battle has already been won. And the way that you stand in that victory is to believe what he says. And when you believe what he says, the victory of Jesus comes into your experience. Here's a lens shift. Um, God will never lead you into a battle unless you are fully equipped to win it. Whatever situation you are in, God has you in it because you have all the experience and the equipment necessary to kick the devil's butt. It's in the Greek, kick the devil's butt. I think it's in there somewhere. <laughs> so Paul is saying that what is already true of you in your spirit, I'm praying that God will unveil it to you, that he will give you this revelation, he'll give you wisdom so that you'll be able to experience the reality what Jesus already paid for. Paul is not praying to give them something new. I grew up in Pentecostal circles, and so many times we were praying that God, give them a double portion of your spirit, more of your anointing, more of this and that. Again, I'm not trying to split theological hairs. I understand what people are saying. God, give me more of the reality of that. But I want you to get this, this perspective shift, is if you have been saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, you have all of the Holy Spirit you're ever going to get. 
and he doesn't leave. He's not like, oh, they, they exaggerated and told a lie. The dove flutters away and leaves your life. Right? I mean, that's... A lens... Okay. Boy, oh boy. Let me just cut to the chase here. Verse 18. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination. God wants to flood the imagination of your mind with light so that you have a new lens to see these realities from. A lens either bends light or blocks light. A lens helps you either see things as they are or it distorts things how they are, depending on the lens. Church tradition will give you a lens. Some church traditions that we have probably all sat in at one time, hopefully not here, but you know what? We're all growing here. Um, still gives you an Old Testament lens that says that God visits his people, but he doesn't inhabit his people. And so in the Old Covenant, here's what happened, is when you were good and you obeyed, God came and he stayed. And when you were bad, he left. So many Christians are still living under that lens. They haven't had the Holy Spirit come and flood their mind with light so that they begin to see differently that we now live in a habitational culture. Or when he said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, he was serious about it. When he said, my father, when Jesus said this, me and my father will come and we will make our home in you, he was serious about it. He meant it. And so, so many people, they're trying to pursue God as if he's running away and they're trying to catch him rather than hosting him and enjoying him. I'm not saying we don't seek God, but we seek him because he wants to be found, because he's already there, not because he's, he's hiding from us and he's left us. Lens shift. You see the difference? How you see things is going to affect how you live. We're not praying that the Holy Spirit, we get more of him. We're praying that the Holy Spirit gets more of us. Because the more of us that he gets, the more of his reality we begin to experience. So in the circles I grew up in, it was double portion anointing, this and that. And, you know, that's an old covenant lens. Where, um, remember, Elisha was a, a, a disciple of Elijah. Elijah was a prophet. He had a mentee called, uh, called Elisha. And he said, Lord, give me a double portion of the spirit that's on Elijah upon me. And when he did, the, the Holy Spirit came upon him, and he did twice as many miracles as Elijah did. Okay? That's an old covenant mindset. Now we have a new covenant, new lens, lens shift here, that says, the Holy, it says you have received the anointing, and he abides in you, and he teaches you to remain in Jesus. Here's the new covenant lens, is the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and he's teaching you, how do I stay connected to this reality 24-7? It doesn't mean 24-7 goosebumps. You may go days and weeks without feeling a goosebump because the Lord is trying to stretch your faith muscles and not your feeling muscles. Remember, we're called believers, not feel-leavers. That doesn't even make sense. It just felt good. I mean, I think I said it a couple months ago, and I was like, I don't, I don't know. That doesn't even make sense, but it felt good to say. Verse 18, let's read it again. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light, until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling, that is, the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that he finds in us, his holy ones. Imagine if the portal into the eternal realm was your imagination. 
I'm not just talking like, you know, like I can imagine myself in a Jeep Grand Cherokee Trackhawk with a Hellcat engine with 707 horsepower going and getting groceries. I, I can imagine, like, like in my earthly imagination, I can, yeah, Sean's, is get, Sean's feeling it over there. I can see it. Silver with that Kalahari tan I can I can see the whole thing. I can see it. Black rims. And so, um, like, so we see, think of our imagination, okay? What you see on the inside creates worlds on the outside. If you don't see it in the eyes of your imagination, with the eye, seeing with the eyes of your imagination is seeing in the spirit. It's seeing with the assistance of the spirit. I'm not just talking like humanly imagining something. I'm talking about you're exercising your human imagination, but you're holding it up in the light of his presence, and he begins to paint on the canvas of your sanctified imagination. When you submitted your body to him to become a living sacrifice, you also submitted your imagination. The imagination is not the devil's tool. Okay, like, the, like you know, he didn't come up with rainbows. Those were ours. He didn't come up with the color purple. He didn't come, you see what I'm saying? Like all these things, he didn't come up with crystals. I mean, he, he came up with crystals. It wasn't the devil who came up with crystals. Are you, you see what I'm saying? The imagination belongs to us. And when we begin to submit that to the Lord, the Holy Spirit can come upon it and flood that thing with light so that we begin to see life differently. And when we see life differently, we can begin to experience the things that are only available to us in the invisible realm. I'm going to get practical here in a second, so let me just get impractical here for a second, all right? When the light of God drenches your eyes, you suddenly begin to see yourself as seated in heavenly places. Loved robed, enthroned, planetary priests reigning and ruling with Christ. Far above principalities and powers, sickness and disease, pain, prejudice, and heartache. This is all the next verses of Ephesians. He says, this is what's available. But these are just going to be nice-sounding theories unless the Holy Spirit goes, and he begins to reveal wisdom to you and reveals revelation. You've got to capture those things with your imaginations. The Bible says that the word of God is like a seed. So many times what happens is we hear a good semen. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> sermon. <laughs> Let's close in prayer. Father, <laughs> erase their minds from the last 10. You know what? I don't even know what to do. You know, I've got stories of other pastors doing this, and now I'm, now I'm one of them. Can I just tell two stories of other pastors doing it? So we had, uh, we had this missionary that came to a church I was on staff on, and he, um, he's just telling these stories. I mean, your heart's just breaking. You're ready to just rip out your wallet and run to the front. And so our pastor um, he comes up and he says, you know what? We need you to pray for us, for we are a needy pee-pee. People. People. It was just like, just totally wrecked the whole moment. Another one, there was this lady, and she was, she was doing this interpretive dance to some, to some music. And um, she, I don't know how to say it generally. She was, she was in, endowed on the top shelf, like physically. <laughs> and so, um, so the pastor gets up there, and he says, I'm not kidding. He says, let everything that has breasts praise the Lord. Breath! Breath. I was like, oh, gosh. So... You know what? Sometimes it just happens. (laughs) 
I don't even know where to go from here. Sometimes the word of God is like a seed. Sometimes we just hear a sermon and the revelation comes. It's like, wow, I've never thought that before. Like, I'm, I'm seeing things differently. Just stop it, some of you guys. I'm seeing things differently. And what happens is we go and we get back into the busyness of life. And the enemy comes and he steals that seed. That very thing that the Lord wanted to plant. He wanted to flood your heart with light so that it actually changed your imagination and gave you a lens change so that you begin to see differently. I've heard way more sermons than I'm living out. Okay, so I'm not pointing the fingers at anybody here, okay? I mean, the Bible says crazy things like this. You were co-crucified. When Jesus was crucified, it was as if you were on the cross. When he died, he died not only for you, he died as you. You were co-buried, co-raised, co-enthroned, co-glorified, co-ruling, co-heirs. Drink your cocoa. (laughs) But see, without the illumination of the Holy Spirit, these things are just nice platitudes that we want to put on a bumper sticker or set to music. When God's saying, I'm inviting you into the reality, the pulse-racing, fire-breathing, sweat-inducing reality of the Holy Spirit making these things true. What if every lie of the enemy was washed out of your soul? Every lie about you, every lie about your identity, about your past, about your future, about God, about his great love for you, about his great love for others about his ability to bring you into the fullness and completeness in Christ. The light of God has the ability to purge, cleanse, and sanctify your imagination. See, every one of us, we have this lens by which we interpret circumstances. Like I said, lens, is, it's a simple technology. It either bends light to help you see it more accurately, or it blocks light so that you see things distorted. A lens can be prescribed by anger or fear, Or love and faith. The news media will try to give you a particular lens. And it's rarely true. It's mostly a perception that they want you to have. If you remember um, back in 9-11 when the airplanes crashed into the the Twin Towers, they began, uh, a certain news channel began playing um, clips of people who were shooting off guns and celebrating in the streets as if all of Islam was celebrating this thing. And it turns out those, uh, that was actually footage from eight years previous. It wasn't the same thing. They were trying to give you a lens that all of the Islamic world was celebrating. You see what I'm saying? This is, that's a lens. Okay? Um, church tradition, like, like I said, they will try to, give you, can try to give you a lens. Some can be helpful. Some not so helpful. Um, uh, one is grace and freedom and empowering. The other was shame and condemnation, and I'm not good enough, and God is mad at me, and, okay? They're both lenses. They're both that you're going to see the reality through, and you're going to experience the reality of that lens. If you see God as angry, then guess what? You're going to experience the disappointment of God and the shame and the condemnation. And I'm pursuing him, and I'm chasing him, but he just always seems out of reach. Well, I spent, I spent too many decades of my life doing that. You know what? And I can still be deceived into it. There's still times when I blow it and I put on my fig leaves and I begin hiding from God and, and trying to come up and trying to, trying to be worthy enough and trying to recognize, you know what? I need to put on a whole different lens 
and recognize that, you know what? God sees me through a blood-colored lens. Okay, here's the new covenant reality. Is he, he's not, like I've said this before, he's not this senile grandfather who doesn't see any mistakes. He, see, he's looking at you as wrapped up into his son, and he puts you there so that he could, he could always treat you as if you were Jesus himself. His heart has always been that he wanted to love and empower and pour out and, and have relationships. So he puts you into his son, so now he can treat you with nothing but goodness and joy. And so it says something interesting. It says that the Holy Spirit doesn't come to convict you. He says he comes to convict the world of sin, comes to convict um, us of righteousness because the prince, and, uh, of judgment because the prince of the world is judged. He's trying to convince you that Satan's actually defeated and trying to convince you of righteousness because he's gone to the Father. So when the Holy Spirit comes and is convicting you of an error of your life, he's not rubbing your nose in how stupid you are. That's the enemy. When you begin to feel shame and I can't go to the Father and I'm not good enough, you need to recognize that's the lens of the enemy. What he's doing is he's pointing out not what's wrong with you, he's pointing out what's missing in your experience and he's inviting you into that experience. And the Father is relentless about having you experience all of his goodness so when you're not experiencing it, he's going to point, put his finger on it and say, hey, how about we take care of this one? And by taking care of it, he says, I want to give you an experience of salvation, experience of Jesus that will wipe this thing away. So how about instead of anger, you get love? How about instead of racial division, you get unity? When you got saved, you got saved from every effect of sin. So if you've, got, if you've done something to your body, you've got a disease in your body, you've got cuts in your body, you've got a blood disease in your body, you've got an addiction in your body from before you were saved, I've got good news for you. Jesus came to redeem it. And when you begin to see it through that lens... You may need to let that seed sit in the soil. We're going to do an exercise. I'm going to show you how to do this here in a little bit. But as the Holy Spirit, this isn't a human exercise. Here's this formula, like get the truth, meditate on truth. No, no, it's, it's this relational thing where he's inviting you into this treasure. He's putting his finger on your life and saying, listen, you don't have to live that way any longer. Every pain that is in your life is an opportunity for you to experience God in a new way. Any area of your life that is messed up is an invitation to an upgrade of your relationship with him. Do you want to know how you grow in God? Good news, bad news. Good news is um, sometimes he puts you in a really good situation so you experience his goodness in that situation. Sometimes he allows you to live on a planet where there's junk. Okay, so things that are not happening according to his will, things that are happening because of the evil plans of others, things that are just living in a bad culture, things that are just stupid mistakes that we make, okay? Regardless of whatever it is, the way that you grow in joy is not to be put in a situation where there's a whole bunch of joy. You get put in a situation where it's the opposite of joy, uh, the DMV, the BMV, yeah. Um, you get put in the opposite situation in joy, and you get to let God be your joy in the middle of that, so now you have mastery over the situation. Some of you are like, oh, things are horrible. Things are bad. I've been trying this and that. You need a new lens to see, you know what? God's inviting you into an upgrade. Instead of you being under your circumstances, he wants you to be the head and not the tail. And how is he going to do that? You're already complete in Christ. You're walking around with everything that you need. And so he's just saying, I need you to have a lens change. I need you to take these truths of the Bible. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some good ones here. If you'll just take one of these, one of these, it, it's a lifetime of wealth, okay? 
You learn by seeing in the Spirit what is true because of Jesus. This is how our imagination is shaped. This is how our lens comes on us. This is how we begin to experience these things, is the Spirit shows us these things are true because of Jesus, not because of your feelings, not because you were good enough that day. That's an old covenant lens. I'm good enough. If I obey, then I'll be rewarded. New covenant lens. Jesus obeyed. I'm in Jesus. Therefore, when I believe it, I will be rewarded as if I had done the deed myself. Scandal. Prophecy is seeing in people what other people don't see. It's seeing what God sees in people. Moses, he sent out 12 spies to the land of Canaan. If we could put, bring it up here. Numbers chapter 12, verses 25 through 23. So the children of Israel, they had been delivered out of slavery into Egypt. They're wandering in the wilderness. They're getting ready to come into the promised land. And Moses was leading them at the time. And so he sends 12 spies to go in there for 40 days. He says, go check out the land. Let's see what's going on. And uh, here's the report they come back with, verse 25. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to tell the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. When they were scouting it out, they had to put um, the grapes on uh, poles and carry them because the, the fruit was so large in the land. So they're like, look at how giant these grapes are. We came to the land which you sent us, and it flows with milk and honey. It's a picture of abundance, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Those were the giants from the Old Testament. The Amalekites dwell in the land of Negeb, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Perizzites, and the, who cares about the ites, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome. Notice there's two different lenses going on here. They're both viewing the same set of circumstances. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's fruit. Yeah, there, there's land flowing with milk and honey. But there's giants. There's giants in the land. Someone else has got a different lens on it. It's like, yeah, uh, all that's true, but we are well able. We are well able to do this. Same circumstances, different lenses, different result. Then the men who had gone up with them said, we're not able to go up against these people. Our lenses show us that they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone, out to, gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. They didn't see any of that. They're just making this up. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak who came from the Nephilim. These were the giants. And we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. There's a big difference between your state and your standing. There's a big difference between how you see yourself in your circumstance and how God sees you in that circumstance in, relation, in light of your relationship to him. In the case of the ten spies who went, um, ten of them saw themselves like grasshoppers. Are you seeing the lens here? As this problem is so big and I'm so little and they're a big fat giant. And there was two. You don't remember. Can anyone name me the 10 spies real quickly? No, no one, no one remembers quitters. No one remembers the doubters. No one remembers the complainers. People remember the people who stand up and say, we are well able and they go and do it. We, they, we take on that whole persona. We saw the giants and we became like grasshoppers in our sight and them. So there's this battle going on between the state that you are now in 
and the standing that you are called to walk in. Your standing is who you truly are because you've been wrapped up into Christ. Are you guys ready for this? Are you guys sure you're ready for this? Here's your standing. I can't do it in one breath. You are adopted as his very own. You are invited to take any one of these things and let it change your life. You are a new creation, a royal priesthood, a people for his possession. You are alive to God. All a grace abounds towards you. All sufficiency is in you through him. You are anointed. You are the apple of God's eye. As he is, so are we in this earth. We are baptized in the spirit. We are baptized into Christ in his death. You are being perfected. You are the beloved, and he rejoices over you with singing. You are blameless in God's eyes, and he sees you with an unstained innocence. You are blessed. These are all right from Scripture. You are blessed with all spiritual blessings and have access to everything heaven contains. You have bold access to the throne of God. You are bold as a lion because you are born again. You are part of the bride. You are buried with Christ and raised to a newness of life. You can do all things in Christ who infuses his strength into you. You carry like Mary the Christ within and you will give birth to glory. You are chosen to be his very own. You are a chosen generation. Christ indwells you with all of his fullness. Children of light who light up the world. You are complete in Christ. Is anyone, this will wreck your depression if you're not careful. You are created for good works. You are curse free. You are dead to sin. You are dead with Christ. You are declared holy. You are his delightful child. You are elect. You are empowered by this. I'm only on the ease here. You are empowered by the same spirit that empowered Jesus. You are enriched. You are enriched in all knowledge. You are equipped. Everything works in your favor. You are faithful. You are fellow citizens of the heavenly realm. You are the fiance of Jesus. You are free. You are free from sin. You are free. You are freely given all things in Christ. You are a friend of Christ. You are fruitful. You are uniquely gifted. You are given all things. You are the habitation of Christ. This is your, this is your standing. This is who you are. But we're like grasshoppers. There's giants. There's the sons. You are the habitation of God. You have the mind of Christ. He is at work within you. He is for you and not against you. You are healed. You are hidden in Christ. You are highly favored. You are his body, his fullness, his possession, his workmanship. You are a holy nation, a holy priesthood. You are increasing in the knowledge of God. You are inseparable from the love of God. You are the jewel in his eye. You are the joint heir with Jesus. You are justified. The kingdom of God is within you. You are a king. You are a priest. You are a ruler. You are known by him. You are lacking in nothing. You are the light of the world. You are living by faith. You are living by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You are a living stone. You are made in his image, made rich in everything, more than a conqueror. You are a new creation. You are ordained. You are the people of God who display what dad is like. You are the pillars of God. Your life has been prepared for good works. You are prospered, protected, perfected, and purified. You are raised with Christ in resurrection life. You are redeemed. You are the righteousness of God. You are a royal priesthood. You are a saint, no longer called a sinner. You are a salt of the earth. You are sanctified, saved, sealed, seated with him in heavenly places. You are a servant of God. You share his authority. You are the sheep who hear his voice. You are the shining stars. You are sons and daughters of God. You have a sound mind and no fear. You are stewards of mysteries. You are strengthened by him. You are the elect of God, the friends of God. Fullness of, of life of godliness belongs to you. You are the righteousness of God. You are the temple of God where his spirit lives. You are transformed. You are united to Christ. You are a vessel of glory. You are a vessel of honor. You walk by faith. You walk in newness of life. You are a warrior. You are wise. You are witnesses. You are absolutely worthy of the Lord. You are wrapped up into Christ. So here's what God wants you to do is he wants you to pray that prayer. I believe that the, the prayer that we've been studying for these last three weeks is the most important prayer for believers in the New Testament. 
Because it's how we move from our state to our standing. Paul, he, he just, verse after verse, he said, this is, this is your standing. This is who you are. You're, you know, you're, God sees you with an unstained innocence. You're part of his divine plan. You're the fiancé of Jesus. You're seated above every ruler and power and authority. I mean, all these cre- you're the new temple where his glory dwells. All these things, that if you were to just take any one of them, okay? And he says, the way you move from that is you ask the Holy Spirit, I come, to, I come to the Holy Spirit like a helpless little child. I can't figure these things out, but you can. And I take a truth, and it's like a diamond that I hold up to the light of his presence. And when you, when you meditate on something, you think about it from every different angle. And you ruminate on it. Just like a, chow, uh, chow, a cow chews its cud. You know, it uh, chews it, and then it um, burps it up with some renewed flavor. <clears throat> and then it chews it again, and it spits it back up. And... Uh, Worrying does the same thing. What if this happens? What about this? And I don't have this. And I don't have this and this. Worrying is imagining your future without God. Faith is imagining your future with God in the light of his presence. And so you begin to think about your future. One of the things I love to imagine when I'm in restaurants is what would it look like if the power of God really got a hold of this place? Especially if someone's acting like a jerk, okay? Um, if they're just really, I'm just imagining, what would it look like if, if this person just fell on their face and began to praise God if they just saw a miracle? When I see someone severely handicapped, Lord, what would it look like? I just begin to imagine with him. God, just begin to paint on the inside of me until that becomes a reality and not just a wishful thought. What am I doing? I'm taking those thoughts. I'm using my imagination. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit, use my mind, use my imagination like a canvas. Begin to paint your reality on these things. Not just my thoughts, but your thoughts. I'm thinking his thoughts. I can even take scriptures and begin to meditate on them. When God highlights something to you, you're reading it and you've got a question. Hmm, I wonder what that means. You know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit tapping you and saying, I'm inviting you into an encounter. The reason um, he inspires the questions because he wants to give you the answer. But people who don't have questions don't recognize answers when they come. Okay, And so he gives you the question because he wants you to be aware. Oh, so you're reading something, you hear something, and it just begins to intrigue you. I wonder about that. That's the Holy Spirit tapping you on the shoulder saying, I want to give you wisdom and revelation, and I want to flood your imagination with light. So I want you to do this. I want you to begin to take this thing. The Bible calls this meditation or abiding in the word or renewing your mind or there's lots of different phrases for it, but it basically means this. I'm going to take this truth that God's highlighting. Maybe you're reading a verse and something jumps off the page at you. You couldn't explain it with your mind, but something in your spirit's like, man, there's something good here. I don't know what it is, but it's good. Okay, that's an invitation to an encounter with the truth of that scripture. That's, that's a bridge to the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And as it begins to enlighten your mind, that's just the first phase. Don't stop with good insight. Don't you dare stop with being able to quote something and putting it on Facebook. That's, 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 a, that's like a level point one. Okay? What you do is you begin to take that, and over the next days and weeks, you begin to ruminate on it. You begin to write things down because you'll forget them. Okay? As God shows you stuff, your journal is simply a record of God's voice to you, and you begin to write these things down. You begin to go back. You begin to ruminate on them, and God will put you in experiences where you have a chance to see the reality of that thing in your life. And then you begin to walk in your standing in your experience, not just in the spirit, but in your reality. You begin to spend your inheritance and not just read about it in a will. See the difference? So let's do an exercise with giants. You guys ready? Put on some different lenses with giants. 
All right. Meditation is simply taking what God has told you in his word and imagining it to be so with the help of the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're going to do here. We're going to take something. So um, actually, the, the next verse, I didn't put it in Ephesians. It talks about, I want you to experience and explore. Uh, I, I can't remember the rest of the verse. Re- experience and explore, okay? That's what he's inviting you into is you're, you're taking these things and to begin to experience and explore them, okay? Um, so here's the exercise. Um, here's the message that a giant in your life is. A giant is something that's opposing your destiny, that's trying to bring you shame, that's trying to make you feel like a grasshopper, okay? Here's the message the giant is giving. You're not strong enough. You're too small to overcome this opposition. And the purpose is to make you have, feel like a grasshopper in your own sight. Low self-esteem, powerlessness, okay? Here's the Holy Spirit lens. The Holy Spirit is always filled with confidence. He points to the opposition and says, that's the size you're going to be when this fight is over. By the time we're finished with him, you will have exchanged dimensions, stature, and power. The reason I've given you an enemy of this size and power is so that you will have a visual image of what you're about to become. Giant lens. I'm small, weak. Holy Spirit lens. This thing's about to become like a grasshopper in your sight, and you're about to be the giant. The whole reason this thing's in your life is because I want to give you a real-world experience of what I'm like through you. Okay? Okay? Joshua became the leader of Israel after his encounter with giants. Our vision of God can be, uh, can be, our vision of God when we face an enemy, it's only he gets bigger, it's never diminished. Okay, there's the lens. Okay. Um, you're in this situation because you're to take the next dimension of anointing to get greater intimacy with Jesus, or if you prefer, you can quit and go back to Egypt. Here's the language of Egypt. Complaining. Why am I going through this? Things were better. Boy, if I, I remember when I wasn't in Christ, that all these things just seemed to work good. And you know what you're doing? You're just walking back to Egypt. Egypt is slavery. So whenever you hear somebody complaining, that's the native tongue of the Egyptians. Just saying, put me back in slavery. I don't know. The, the, the America, God's going to judge it. Uh, that's an old covenant lens. You don't even know what anointing you're speaking of. You, you don't know. God's not judging America. He, he judged sin at the cross. Okay? He loves ISIS and Billy Graham and you the same. New Covenant lens. It says he's reconciled the entire world to himself, which means all the obstacles to God's heart have been removed, so he has nothing but love and joy and peace. He's just waiting for you to turn around and say yes, so he can begin to bless you. And once you turn around and say yes, you are complete in Christ. And as you begin to have the Holy Spirit reveal these things to you and you believe them and you begin to walk them out in your circumstance, as you begin to face these giants, now you've taken territory in that land. You begin to slay giants and take walled cities in your life. So here's the activation. First question, you guys ready? What is the giant in front of you at this time? Okay, Holy Spirit, what's it? I think it's up there. Oh yeah, there it is. Holy Spirit, what is the giant? We're not gonna just do theory here. Okay, I'm going to give you a chance to look at a giant and put on a different lens. So this is just between you and the Holy Spirit. What is the giant that is in front of you at this time? Describe it and the effect it has on your faith and vision of yourself. So just right now, just take a minute with the Holy Spirit and just talk to him about what this giant is making you feel. Don't try to fluff it up. Just be honest with him. We're going to do something else with it.
For those of you ready for the second question, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you through this? What new vision of yourself is forming in your heart? Describe the upgrade. So just Holy Spirit, what's the upgrade you want to give me? How do you want, how do you want me to see myself? How do you see me in this situation? So just take a moment with the Holy Spirit and just get a new vision of yourself. Let him paint that in your imagination. Last question. What promises are coming to this new identity? What provision and resources can be claimed at this time? Maybe you're going to get a verse. Maybe you're going to get a picture of who God wants to be for you. But uh, now you're beginning to get some new lenses to see this thing through. As you begin to face this giant, you need to put these lenses on. You need to, God, I need the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Help me to see myself as you see me until it becomes cellular so that you don't have to think about it anymore. It's just how you begin to see. So just take a moment with this last question. Lord, I just thank you that you're revealing that these problems are actually the grasshoppers and that they're the giant or that they've been united to you. That the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now flows towards them. And Lord, I just thank you that you're making us a church that's moving from theory to practice, from insight into authority. Lord, whatever giant somebody is facing, I pray that they will have a new lens to see that thing through. That they will see that they're going to be invited into an upgrade of their experience with you. Lord, you're good. So, Lord, we pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We pray that you would flood our imaginations with the light of your spirit. Lord, we pray that these truths that you highlight to us that we would take and that we would walk with them for days and weeks until we have a new lens to see things through. Gang, nobody can renew your mind for you. Nobody can lay hands on you and have this instant mind shift. Okay, you can, have a, you can have a moment of insight or revelation, but it's up to you when that giant is facing you. You've got to go and you've got to put those lenses on. You've got to not, this isn't a, phys, this isn't a human effort thing. Again, this is you saying, Holy Spirit, I need you to help me see begin to remind you of those promises. I find it helpful to begin to speak those things out loud. And uh, it, just, it just does something uh, for me in that. So, all right, you guys good? Yeah. All right.